Thank you for joining us for episode 390 of Live Happy Now. If you're a sports fan or you know someone who is, you're going to love today's guests. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week I have the pleasure of sitting down with David Sikoriak and Ben Valenta, authors of the new book, Fans Have More Friends. These two strategy and analytics experts are diehard sports fans who set out to prove their hypothesis that being a sports fan leads to happiness. Their research proved them right, and this week they're here to talk about why cheering on your favorite team is doing more for you than you might have realized. David and Ben, welcome to Live Happy Now. Thanks, Thanks for, having, for us. having us. Happy to be here. Well, this is exciting because this is something we have not touched on at Live Happy, which is unusual. It feels like a lot of things we've looked at from so many different angles, but not fandom. And, you know, sports are such a huge part of our culture. And I don't think we've ever touched on how it really affects us psychologically. So I guess for starters, how did the two of you meet and how did you decide to write a book about this? Our relationship goes way back. We've been working together for, I don't know, 12 10, 12 years. And we've always been kind of collaborators and and like-minded in how we see the world and have been working in the sports business in some way, shape, or form for the last, I don't know, eight of those 10 years and have constantly had some, some insight into, or maybe the better way to say it is we had an intuition that sports fandom was all about social connection. And this came through kind of years of, of spending time with fans, of thinking about the sports business, of working in sports media. And at a certain point, I think we became convinced that that, that intuition was, was actually, you know, a truth. And we could elevate it to the level of an insight, uh, something that kind of defined how people approach the, the space. And at a certain point, I think we decided we should prove this out. We should sort of see, we should, we should put our, our, our insight to the test and, and, and see if it really does hold water, if we really can define fandom as a, as a social enterprise. And, and eventually we landed on a, you know, I think a testable hypothesis is what we were looking for. And that's where we, where we got to. So the fundamental insight was that, that to be a fan is to be a part of a community. You know, that's a line that we landed on years ago, working for the the New York Knicks. And, you know, that, that stuck with us for some time. And we decided that if, if that's true, if fandom is all about community, if it's all about the social connection, then fans would enjoy more robust social networks, more robust social infrastructure. And so the shorthand way to say that is fans would have more friends. And so we set out trying to devise a way to reliably test fandom and compare it to the number of friends in, in one social network. And what we found you know, over the last several years in 30 plus surveys and tens of thousands of, of respondents is that it's true. In fact, fans do have more friends. And that's the, the title of our book, Fans Have More Friends. So how long did it take you to go from an idea to a finished product? To be a fan, to be part of a community was something that we coined back in 2016. And, you know, we, where we got to the point where like, let's test this out. This, you know, we're seeing it come up in different contexts around sports over and over with different types of people, men, women, white, black, all, all sorts of people, younger and older. The same thing held that these we, we were we were observing social relationships as the incentive for the devoted devotional behavior of, of sports fandom. So we didn't start testing this until 2000, devise a way to test this until uh, end of 2019. And then once we we kind of landed on a method and 
it kept coming back. Fans have more friends. And, and it's not only that, the bigger fan you are, the more friends you have. And the bigger fan you are, the closer you are to all your friends, the more you interact with those friends, the closer you are to family. Just every single, it, it kind of, this is what we thought all along. We never thought we would be able to prove it out in such a consistent and robust way. And it's kind of held now for three years now in, in testing this. And, and just to draw a line under that, like the way to think about it is the, the bigger fan you are, the more likely you are to have a positive, healthy relationship with your mother, right? Really? Like, like, like it extends yes. into every aspect of your social life. So it's not just that fans have more friends, as Dave points out. It's that you have a closer relationship and closer ties with your family, both as, as you know, parent to child, uh, child to parent, kind of working both ways throughout throughout one's life. Just to give you an example on that, we ran surveys recently where if you have uh and measured from non-fans, so basically the general population, and then kind of rated them across the scale on how big of a fan they are. If you have children living out of your home, we ask you that are adult children, how close do you feel with you know child number one? How close do you feel with child number two? And what we found for you know, whether the kids live at home or not, but it's really the most acute for when you are an empty nester, that the bigger fan you are, the, the stronger of a relationship you report having with each of your children. And were you able to determine why that is? Because that's super interesting because people, I mean, parents struggle. Like, how can I be close to my yeah. children? And now it's like, go to games? Yeah. Well, it's it's really the like the reliable rhythm of being a sports fan keeps you in constant connection. So I, I have three brothers. We all live dispersed around the country. I'm from Colorado. My folks are still in, in Denver. And, you know, the thing that we talk about most often is the Denver Broncos. Right. And that will anchor those conversations. Now, that will unfold into how are the kids and how's work and all that kind of stuff. But it usually starts with uh, the, the Denver Broncos. Actually, this just happened. It's the NFL trade deadline. When we're when we're recording this, the Broncos made a big trade at the deadline. And my phone just lit up with text <laughs> messages from my, mostly from my family, my mom included, and but a bunch of friends as well. And if when you start to see your fan engagement as that, as that social connection, you sort of can't unsee it. And then you begin to recognize, oh, this is actually the thing incentivizing my fandom, but it's also the benefit of my fandom. And it results in more conversations. It results in more text messages. It results in just results in more frequent interaction that is ultimately good for us and, and leads to strengthened relationships. So, you know, build on the point is, it's like a, a covert way of just saying, how are you doing there? But sports just gives you many times over and over, like your mom texting you of how's it going after a while, you know, is could be grading. But if it's if it's around sports, if it's disguised in, as something else, that conversation keeps on going. And it's just a fluid back and forth, which is just more pleasurable for both parties. And that can even work if you are on opposing teams, because I know in our house, there are friends who do not support the proper teams and when we'll have it, you know, it's like that back and forth of like, you know, really just talking trash, but you feel closer. I mean, it really does kind of, you know, it keeps you in contact, even though that's, that's the way that you're going about it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing we, the one question we get most often is like, well, what about the tribal nature of sports and what about rivalries and things like that? And what we find is that those things actually tend to make the experience of being a fan more engaging and more fun. And that means that they animate those 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 interactions and those connections in the same way. In other words, like they they make those conversations with those people more fun, right? When you're talking trash, it's all with a tongue in cheek. It's all mm -hmm. in good fun, and we're able to kind of play in this space that is ultimately very playful. And we can have that kind of conversation, that kind of interaction, which leads to just more more intimate conversations down the line that aren't necessarily about sports. 
And it just kind of creates this space where we can, you know, bust each other's chops and it's all good. And there's not many spaces where we can do that, where we can actually mock a friend, a family member, a stranger because of uh, sports affiliations. And with sports, you actually have that permission to do it in a way that is just, it's fun, it's playful, it's childish, and all those things are really good. And what about right now? Because it seems everyone's pretty sensitive to people who don't agree with them. There's a lot of polarization. We There's a sensitivity when someone disagrees with us. And with sports, that disappears. Can you address that? Well, that, that's exactly right. I mean, because it's playful, because it's, it's sort of seen to matter so much, but not matter at all, that gives us that permission to not be so sensitive, right? And to recognize that this is this one space in, in my life that I can not, I'm not taking these things personally, right? I'm not going to be overly sensitive. I can just go in there and, and have fun and I can, I can receive the, you know, the comments and, and I can take a lick in and I can, I can dole one out and it's all, all good natured and it's all in good fun. And how can that help us, or can it? Maybe I'm assuming, how can that help us in the real world? Because again, there's so much polarization. Is there a way that sports fandom can help us get past some of that? Well, yeah, and we we address the the notion of polarization, so we can we can get into that you know, in the book. You know, I, I think just to before we get into the polarization piece, though, just to address the question, kind of point blank, the way it can help us is we just have more interactions. Right. And so we have this safe space where it's fun to interact and that incentivizes us to get involved and interact. And it, as it turns out, we're social creatures and those interactions, those connections are really good for us. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we've talked a lot about so far, you know, fans have more friends and they interact with their, those people more often and they have better relationships with their families and, and so on and so forth. But it turns out that that those connections have a meaningful impact on your well-being. So it's not just that fans have more friends. It's that because of those friends. Fans are happier. They are more satisfied with their life. They're more optimistic about the future. They're more confident in themselves. They're more trusting of other people. They're more likely to give to charity. They're more likely to be registered to vote. There's this whole cascade of wellness markers that come out of this connection. And it's partly because it's fun, partly because it's entertaining, partly because it's all of those things. But the connection is what's most important. Did you find what the connection is between being a sports fan and having those tendencies? The connection, I would say is connection. Like like it is that you're just more plugged into the world around you. You're more plugged into your community. You are more engaged in the world because you have all of these different touch points to, to draw on. Sorry. You go to a game with friends and your friends will tell you about, Hey, there's this, you know, thing going on um, in town. You should go to it. And invariably you're going to go, or you're, you're out in the world connecting with other people. And that's how you learn about other things. And you're getting to polarizations. That's how you're exposed to people maybe slightly different than you. And it, it doesn't mean that you kind of adopt their views or you, it, it shifts your views, but it just means you can you feel a closeness to somebody else that's different to you. And that's important where, you know, we we talk about this in a book and we measure there's this um, feeling thermometer to get, kind of get into the polarization piece that is used in um, political science. It's been used in political science for years and it measures how um, it's a zero to 100 scale. And you taking the survey or ask, how do you feel about Democrats with zero being cold and 100 being hot? And then vice versa, how do you feel about Republicans? And what we what we lay out in the book is the bigger fan you are, you know, if you separate the sample out into Republicans and Democrats, Republicans have warmer feelings towards Democrats, the bigger fan they are. And Democrats have warmer feeling towards Republicans, the bigger fan they are. And to be clear, 
the feeling is cold from opposing <laughs> views. That, that's the nature of our polarization. Right. But the fact is, you know, and we've read a lot about polarization in, in writing this book, and it often left us depressed. Like there's no way out. We're just growing apart as a country. There's it's two separate countries and we don't talk to each other. And what the kind of the psychology teaches us is that in-group and out-group becomes more solidified and therefore we don't talk and therefore we dislike each other more, more and more, regardless of how much we are into the politics of it. But our contention is sports fandom actually gets us to mix those in-groups a little bit. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan and you are a, a liberal that lives in New York, and there's a lot of uh, Dallas Cowboys fans here in New York, you know there's other fans that are not don't have, don't share their same views as you. And you, know, you also know that it crisscrosses race and religion and education and income. And you're part of this one Dallas Cowboys tribe. And that actually has an impact on you. So that's why we see the, the warmer feelings towards the opposing party within both kind of Democrat and Republican tribes. That is so interesting. So how can that be used by individuals if we start understanding that? How can we, yeah, we use this as a tool for trying to build a bridge? Ultimately, that's kind of what we're advocating for is to, I want to use your words, use this as a tool. We all, there's a lot of people who are sports fans, right? Like this cuts across a major segment of the of the American populace. And so it's a, it's a mainstream behavior that people are engaging with, but not necessarily consciously aware of the benefits that they're receiving because they're fans. And so what we want people to do is become aware of this thing as a tool. Now that that tool can be used to, to mitigate polarization. It can be used to mitigate loneliness. But these sort of these problems that kind of befuddle us can be lessened, can be decreased, can be dampened by recognizing that, that fandom is this thing in your arsenal that you can pull out at any time to create connection, to expand your worldview, because it's going to create the interactions with other people around you and create that engagement in the world that we were talking about previously. And even if it's you're at the airport and see somebody with a Alabama jersey on and you make a comment about Alabama. It's a 10-second interaction. The, the science says you both are uplifted as a result of that interaction. You as a, as a sports fan, if you're conscious of what's going on in the world and you could go up to a complete stranger and you know talk about the Phillies and Astros game tonight, those interactions are, are really good. And we would we encourage, you know, that that's as Ben was saying, this was our motivation of if you're a fan, lean into it. These are good things. It's good for you, good for others, good for society. Realize that this is the impact of it. And it's already happening. Just now now that you know it's happening, lean into it more and more good should come out of it. And I guess what that means is specifically utilize, recognize that sports can be the anchor to a interaction, right? So one thing that I've changed in my life is I will say yes to, to anything that comes my way that's sports related, I will say yes, right? <laughs> so where I was kind of like falling out of love with the fantasy leagues and the pick and pools, I will now say yes, let's, let's go do it. I realize that this is not a fatuous kind of obnoxious thing, but actually something that's really meaningful for my life. Right. But I'll also extend that invite. So whenever I see some, like I've even started going through my, my contact list on my phone. If there's somebody I haven't talked to for a while, I'm aware of kind of like the teams that they're, that they follow. I'll use that as a way into sending that message. Hey, I saw so-and-so traded so-and-so. What do you think of that? Oh, by the way, you know, it's been a while. How you doing? Right. Or I'll invite people over on a Sunday to, to get together, whether I care about the game or not, it almost makes no difference. It's just the device that gets people together. And then you're reaping the rewards of that togetherness. That's great. And it's interesting that you talk about fantasy leagues, things like that. So it's not just straight up fandom for the game. It can 
it reaches well beyond that. Absolutely. I mean, again, let's let's just change how we think about fandom for the game and all these different activities. The activity almost doesn't matter. It's the activity that creates connection, right? My fantasy league with 10, 12 college buddies generates on a weekend probably 250 text messages on average, right? Those would otherwise not happen. If I see now that the fantasy league across, you know, whatever, 24 weeks of an NFL season is generating on 250 text messages a week, like that's a lot of interaction that I would have otherwise not had if I didn't have that fantasy league. Now, all of a sudden, I've reframed how I think about and approach that entire enterprise. And it puts it in those terms. And now I know it's impacting my wellness. I know it's actually causing oxytocin to be released and, and flow through my, my bloodstream. Like it's changing how I see the world. And if you are aware of that and you can lean into it, then all of a sudden you can really start to re- reap the rewards. I can give another example, more personal on that note where we wrote the book and we're, you know, Ben and I talk about this, we're living the book, so to speak, as kind of a, you know, what we found is, you know, like it's telling us to, to think of things differently. So I'm a Yankees fan. The Yankees had a great start to this season, um, looked like a dominant team. And then in August, it all fell apart. And it often left me depressed on days. And I would go into work and you know, work on stuff and be angry about going home to watch the game or having to watch the game. I have an eight and six-year-old boys, two boys who are obsessed with the Yankees. Our family time, and my wife was not a sports fan or who was not a sports fan has now kind of signed up as it is our best <laughs> family in. time. Well, it's seven o'clock. We are, the four of us are on the sofa. We are talking. We're at, they're asking questions. We're engaged in things. We are together as a family watching this thing called baseball. So like learning from the stuff that we we're writing in the book, it's like, well, just forget about that. Stop being angry about all the stuff that's wrong with the Yankees and what's right with the family engagement around it. And we just have this beautiful time every night that the Yankees are on that otherwise would, you know, we'd still have beautiful time, but it just wouldn't be as kind of cohesive as sports has made it in our home. Yeah. How does that bring it together? When you're cheering together, when you're bemoaning the loss together, how does that tighten you as a, as a family unit? Well, it's just, it gives you something else to talk about. And it's great that you bring up the loss because, you know, we, we often, another another question we get is, well, is this true for winning teams that you're happier as opposed to perennial losers? And it works, it works both ways. You could celebrate together, which is great to commiserate and find occasion to, to do something together and celebrate. And it's also great to commiserate, you know, Yankees lost. And when I get together with Yankee fans, I... We, we all want to like vent about it. And like venting is good. Like in other <laughs> yeah. things in life, you keep it in and you let you boil inside with sports. We all will vent. And it, it's actually just like a positive release. And somebody else is listening on the other end and understands and, you know, gives examples of it. There's not much stuff that we can, you know, vent and do that stuff and have that kind of dialogue so freely with other people, whether it's somebody close or, or a complete stranger. You know, Paula, the way to think about it, I think, is you're going on an emotional ride together. And like all of those components are important. The emotional aspect amplifies the togetherness and vice versa. But ultimately, the celebrating, the commiserating doesn't really matter. It's just the fact that you're going on this ride together. I love that. I love that. And, and one thing that you talk about is the importance of passing down fandom in your family. Two questions related to that is like, why is that so important? And then how do you do that? Well, on the first one, you know, I think the reason it's important, we talked a little bit about, you know, the impact that this can have on your relationships with your your children or your parents kind of mm-hmm. going both ways. And so I think just recognize like in the data, what we see is that uh, relationships are improved 
or the likelihood of relationship being improved are correlated with fandom. So basically it's just a way of, of trying to kind of stack the odds in your favor to ensure that you have a, a close relationship with your with your children or with your parents. Because again, you come back to that, just the cadence of communication increases and that's ultimately good for relationships. The way to do it, Dave and I are kind of like working through this right now. Like, you know, we both have young kids. My son is just kind of getting into it and he calls every sport on TV baseball, whether it's baseball <laughs> or not. And he calls every team, the Los Angeles Rams, even though the Rams only play football, but you, you know, it's, it, it's, it's getting them into the space where they can use sports and create social connections around sports, right? Like that's, I think ultimately what you're handing to your kids is a tool that will help them socialize. Right. And so we see, we just did some polling with teens that this all holds true with 13 to 17 year olds. So if you're a highly engaged sports fan as a teen, you're going to have more friends. You're going to be happier. You're going to do better in school. You're going to be have closer relationship with your family. It's not so much the fandom that's, that's doing anything there. It's just the fandom gives you a way to connect with people and the connections are good for us. And so I, if I think about my kids, like one of the things that I want for them is to have close friendships. I think that that's important to a fulfilled life. And by giving them fandom, by kind of indoctrinating them in this in this school of fandom, what you're doing is giving them a tool that allows them to connect. It increases the likelihood that they will have more robust friend networks if they're fans. And one more thing of, it kind of goes back to the playfulness of, of sports fandom. There's not many things as a parent with kids that it doesn't matter. Like there's not an expectation. You have to do these things for school, or even if you're playing on a sports team, or did you, you know, did you work out? Did you prepare? Did you think about these things? It's all free with sports fandom, and it, it creates a playfulness within the family that is highly beneficial. Now, you also say that it can help us build confidence in other people, and I found that interesting. What mechanism is at play there to make that happen? Well, it's all the same mechanism at work, right? You're interacting with people, and you will then kind of view them more positively. So we, we had several questions that we asked around um, how trusting are you of other people? you typically trust somebody when you meet them or do you not trust them? And so as you can predict that the bigger fan you are, the more trusting you would be of that person, if, whether you're meeting a stranger. And it really just comes down to you are interacting with more people and that exposure to other people softens your views of them. And you're not always at you know, on guard in, in these interactions because you're happy to walk up to a stranger and talk about the Cowboys. Again, that's that's good for you. And, you know, we see this time and again, and then, you know, we, we measured it further in um, confidence in institutions, how you feel about whether it's the police, the military, religious leaders, the news media, professors, scientists. And we see with that, that the bigger fan you are, the more confidence you have in, in those institutions. And, and I think one way to just sort of sum up everything that Dave just said is a, is a line that we include in the book. Actually, we quote Brene Brown, who I would assume, Paula, you're familiar with. Most of our listeners are. <laughs> I, would, I would, yeah, I would guess we're playing to the right audience here. But she has a line that I love and that, that, that resonates with us and, and really encapsulates a lot of what Dave was just saying, which is it's hard to hate people up close. And the I idea love that effectively what we're saying is fandom puts you in a place where you are connecting with more people, uh, both intimate connections, relationships, family, you know, close personal friends, et cetera, but also just strangers on the street, right? Like you're going to have those interactions with the barista because she's wearing the, the Dodgers hat. Uh, in Los Angeles, and you can have that brief 10 second interaction about the team that's going to impact your day, but it also exposes you to other people, right? It just kind of like helps build that muscle of connecting with other people. And ultimately, that's the thing that exposure is the thing that changes your worldview. It creates that, that sense of trust in other people. It creates that sense of confidence in other people. And it just sort of broadens your perspective on the world. I like that. 
This is so well researched, and that's what's interesting too. Is how difficult was it to get research on this? We, this, I mean, this is what we do: the research in, in fielding surveys, uh, conducting focus groups, doing ethnographies. So we, you know, we feature a lot of people in the book that we we tell stories about, and those came about. We met them in focus groups. We conducted ethnography. So I went into uh, we went into homes with people, went to games with people, went to sports bars. And um, I mean, this is what we do. So we enjoy doing it. And we felt like early on, we had an interesting thread to pull on. And, you know, the book is about just continually pulling on the thread. Fans have more friends. They're measures of well-being. It leads to a broadened worldview. Um, all these things just came out through the research that we conducted. Very interesting. So this is a terrific book. We're going to tell the listeners how they can find you, how they can find a copy of the book. But what is it, as I let you go, what is it that you hope people take away from reading this book? I hope that they take away that they should lean into their fandom. If they're fans themselves already, lean into that, embrace it. And I think maybe more broadly, if we take kind of a step back, it's really to, we want to reframe the conversation we have around sports fandom. You know, I think the current cultural conception of sports fans is sort of the obnoxious face painter bro, who's <laughs> maybe a little drunk in the stands and, and making you feel uncomfortable. And like that person does exist and that thing does exist. But when we focus exclusively or we frame our, our, our conception of fandom exclusively around that person, we miss all of this other connection that's really good for us. And so what we want to do is get people to recognize, oh, this is actually really good for me. Right. Like, like I can lean it. I can enjoy this. I can use it as a tool, uh, but I should lean into it because it's going to impact my life. And, and that, you know, Dave under the line earlier, you know, being a sports fan is good for you. Good for others. Good for society. We want people to recognize that like that's the, that's the ultimate takeaway here. I love it. And it's available for anyone, everyone, young, old, male, female crosses sports, crosses everything. Yeah. And there's a few sports out there that you can choose from. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot one. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thank you guys so much for sitting down with me. I, I just, I love this topic. I love the approach that you've taken and the way that you're opening this door that just really hasn't been walked through yet. So thank you so much for the work you're doing and, and for sitting down and talking with me about it. Thanks, Paul. It was a lot of fun. That was Dave Sikoriak and Ben Valenta, authors of the new book, Fans Have More Friends. If you'd like to learn more about their research, follow them on social media or buy their book, Visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. And a reminder that November is Gratitude Month. And what better way to show your gratitude to others than to gift them with a plate of homemade treats. The Live Happy store has a brand new giving plate, which you can fill with your favorite treats and share with a neighbor, your kid's teacher, a coworker, or anyone else in your life whom you'd like to show appreciation to. The poem on our Live Happy Giving Plate encourages them to continue spreading the joy by doing the same for someone else. You can check it out right now in the Live Happy store at store.livehappy.com. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.